0: Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
1: Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now,
2: here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Hi, and welcome to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Ellen Nadler, and Dr. Kathy Greenberg is my co-host, and we are your Leadership Development Coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives perform in the top ten percent. Today's show is about employee engagement. We'll take a closer look at how a major global company is using leadership to engage the hearts and minds of their talent pool and how you can too. Kathy and I always want to bring you the best and current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide an evidence based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. Kathy, welcome to the show.
3: Good morning. How is everybody? I hope we are all prepared for a very exciting show today. I know that Barrett Avigdor is going to give us some great insights on employee engagement. And we also know that leaders are the heartbeat of the organization. Most leaders really do underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can, well, they underperform. Doing just a few things differently can drastically improve your performance and your organization's What you'll learn in these shows are how do you develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies, brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, generation and gender differences, which are so important in today's society. We know millennials are so different from the Gen Xers and the Boomers. Work-life balance practices. That is, for me, one of the big sticky wickets in life, and we're always trying to find work-life balance, and it's such a personal thing. And strategies for managing your boss, self-management tools to be your best, plus many more tools and tips that Relly and I love bringing you every week.
2: Today's guest is Barrett Avigdor with Accenture. Um, Barrett is the Director of Legal Talent Strategy for Accenture. We'll have her define what that means. Uh, Accenture is a publicly traded technology and outsourcing company with annual revenues in excess of $13 billion. Ms. Avigdor has been an in-house legal counsel at Accenture since 1992 and has held a variety of leadership roles during her tenure there. Before we bring her on, we always want to give you some of the um, basic current leadership development evidence uh, and how you can bring more people in the top 10%. We know that if you increase profit by creating coaching networks inside your company, in just one day, study shows that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. We also know that leaders have 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. What that means is that they are the emotional thermostat for the te- their team because we know emotions are contagious. The key to being a star performer is which we define as someone being in the top 10%, is emotional intelligence. As a leader moves up the corporate ladder, 85% of their competencies for success are in the emotional intelligence domain when you compare that to IQ or technical expertise. Why are we talking so much about getting people into the top 10%? Well, we know that leaders in the top 10% produce twice as much revenue to their organizations as managers in the 11th to 89th percentile. When you add uh, coaching to training, there's a huge uh, enhancement. Training can improve someone's productivity about 22%. But when you add coaching, it can improve their productivity about 88%. Myself and Kathy um, and Barrett are all uh, executive coaches. So we'll talk about executive coaching and what that can bring to the, your organization. We also know that just doing a few things as we call them micro-initiatives can create macro-impacts. If you're interested in more information um, from Dr. Kathy Greenberg, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching services. If you're interested in getting in touch with me, uh, my website is www.true-north-leadership for emotional intelligence books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership and coaching boot camps. Kathy, you want to... Talk about Barrett?
3: Sure, I'd love to. Um, I-, I have known Barrett for well, quite some time, and she's an amazing person. But let me give you a little, just a little bit of background on Barrett. Um, Ms. Avigdor is known at Accenture for her creativity and her ability to lead unique projects. Uh, for example, in 2003, she led the creation of an offshore legal group for Accenture, On the team, which was located in Mauritius, consisted of seven lawyers, and has generated savings of over $1 million since its creation. In 2001, she designed and delivered the first ever internal training program for Accenture's legal staff of 250 attorneys from around the world with faculty from Oxford and the University of Chicago. Most recently... Barrett created the role of Director of Legal Talent Strategy at Accenture. She's been leading global teams of lawyers for several years and became increasingly interested in how to help people succeed. In her spare time, she trained to be an executive coach, and as Director of the Legal Talent Strategy, she is becoming her coaching, she's combining her coaching experience with her many, many years of experience as a lawyer managing other lawyers, which is amazing. She is a graduate of the University of Chicago Law School, and prior to attending law school, she conducted economics research in Sao Paulo, Brazil, as a Fulbright Scholar. She is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a double major in economics and Spanish, and she is fluent in Spanish and Portuguese. I've had the pleasure of working with Barrett at Accenture, and I now have the pleasure of her mind share in a new venture on our book, What Happy Working Mothers Know. Barrett is the co-author of that book. It will be released in 2009. Barrett, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, Kathy, and hello, Riley.
2: Good morning, Barrett. Great to have you here. Maybe you could you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you and Kathy know each other well, but for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe who influenced your thinking and career the most, given you have a, you're you a lawyer and an executive coach?
4: Absolutely, and thank you for that nice introduction, Kathy. Um, you know, I think the biggest influence um, on my career, because I decided at the age of eight that I was going to be a lawyer, huh. um, so I was a pretty decisive kid, and I really have to say that my father was probably the biggest influence on my career choice. Um, my dad, who was enjoying an active retirement in Tucson, Arizona, was a trial lawyer. And he represented the little guy. He believed passionately in every case he took. He worked hard, but he loved his work. And our dinner conversations were frequently focused on my dad's latest case. He would research deeply. He would describe the case with so much enthusiasm Mm -hmm. that I couldn't help but admire his passion and his sense of purpose. And I decided you know, at a pretty young age that I wanted to devote my work life to something that I believed in, as passionately as my dad believed in his work. Um, So I chose law school because I thought it would be a good use of my talents and my education to be an advocate for people uh, who needed a voice.
3: Barrett, it's really interesting to hear you with so much enthusiasm talk about that relationship you had to your father's career. And I want to ask you another question, which is how did you come to be an attorney who has such a strong focus on people issues, and, and how are you using that?
4: Well, um, you know, as, as I said, my, my motivation for going to law school was very much to help people. But as with so many things, we start on one road, and the road takes a lot of turns we didn't expect. Um, so, you know, I went to the University of Chicago Law School, as you mentioned, uh, which is known for its law and economics uh, with sort of approach to the law, which is intellectually fascinating, but not particularly focused on the people aspects of, of the law. I graduated at a time when the economy was booming, and I had a lot of very lucrative offers, um, and not being very self-aware at that time in my life, I kind of went the path of least resistance, went to a large corporate law firm in Chicago, and you know, you can't really get much further from helping people than working at a large corporate law mm-hmm. firm, um, so I moved from there to a smaller firm, and then from there to Accenture, um, you know, my work throughout all of this was intellectually stimulating but it wasn't really until I got to Accenture that I was able to, to find more of a human component. Um, you know, Accenture's a great place to be a lawyer. We have terrific colleagues, interesting cutting-edge work. And in particular, I've been very fortunate to have had some tremendous mentors in my career there. And those mentors have shaped me professionally, and I think that they helped me find my path from my original idealism when I set out to, to what I've been able to do more recently – um, and so now with this latest role as Director of Legal Talent Strategy, I really want to give back some of the incredible gifts and lessons that my mentors have taught me along the way.
2: Well, that's a, a fascinating uh, journey. and It sounds like then part of this uh, journey, Barrett, now has taken you to actually go and get uh, become a, a coach. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and I imagine that 's enhancing the people aspect, but so what what brought that on and then how do you, how are you bringing the coaching piece into being the uh, legal talent strategy director
4: sure um, you know again, as Accenture, I was given an opportunity oh this goes back maybe ten years ago or mm-hmm. even a little more um, I was given the opportunity to participate in a three day workshop that we had sort of custom designed for our leadership team by the Center for Creative Leadership, which I know you're both familiar with. Terrific organization, um, and they did a very high-quality, very intensive three-day workshop that included kind of every tool you can think of, 360-degree feedback, a whole battery of psychometric tools, and a two-hour session, one-on-one, with an executive coach. Mm. So for me, this was all new. I had not seen any of this before. Um, I found the program incredibly interesting, and I gained an enormous amount of self-awareness. I mean, so here I was, several years out of law school, pretty much a a, a developed professional, and I was learning things about myself and how my peers saw me and how um, what my strengths really were. I was learning so much about myself just in these three days. But the real sort of the icing on the cake was that one-on-one session with the coach. Now, um, I walked into a room and met this woman for the first time. I had never talked to her before, but of course she had the benefit of all of the data that had been collected about me given, you know, from all of these various psychometric tools. And I was struck by the fact that our conversation was like talking with someone very wise who had known me for 10 years. Huh. Um, her insights were remarkable, and, and that conversation changed me. It, it absolutely, I can pinpoint the date that my career started to take a different course, um, And I told myself that I wanted to have that ability. I wanted to be able to do what she did, which is to give people insights and hope. Um, And like that coach I met all those years ago, I want to give people the tools to create the work life that makes them happiest.
3: Well, Barrett, we'll come right back with more of your answers on Leadership Development News.
0: The bottom Line in Business Voice America Business
6: Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing then, <laughs> said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreddylocks. I open as leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I open
5: as leaky doors,
6: cried the second. I open as the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreddylox liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not hog not.
2: This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad
6: Council.
5: If you want the tools to thrive in today's competitive workplace, you've come to the right place. Getting to the top will teach you how to climb the ladder of success with diplomacy and integrity. Host Mark Murphy has been named the leadership guru and brings to talk radio advice on difficult management situations like giving your boss bad news and how to speak the truth without making people angry, which we all know will come in handy someday. Climb to the top with Mark Murphy every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's Getting to the Top on Voice America Business Channel.
0: The Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
1: listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts doctors kathy greenberg and relly nadler we know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790 that number again is 1-866-472-5790 now let's get back to the show
2: welcome to Leadership development news i'm dr relly nadler with dr Kathy Greenberg, and we have uh, Barrett Avigdor on on the line. And Kathy, you want to continue with some of the questions we did before the break? Yeah, uh, Riley, really, you had just
3: asked Barrett about how she became a coach, and I really am interested in now that you are the person, Barrett, leading this whole talent um, engagement strategy um, for for Accenture's legal organization, what kinds of programs have you been doing um, based on your focus using leadership development and training? Because recently um, I was fortunate enough to go to an Accenture program, which is known as the um, World Championship of Golf, and I picked up an Outlook journal, which was given to me, and it says, where will all the talent come from competing on skill and education in a multipolar world? Can you can you talk a little bit about where all these qualified workers um, you know, may come from to fill these 3.5 billion dollars. Excuse me, 3.5 billion skilled positions by the year 2010, and you know, just any insights you can provide on that would be great.
4: Sure, I don't know if that can speak for all 3.5 billion, but um, <laughs> from my perspective, for the lawyer part of it, um, well, first of all, you know, my my challenge in this new role is to create and implement an entire talent strategy for, we're now almost 400 legal professionals around the world Mm. just at Accenture. Um, And so that means, as you mentioned, increasing employee engagement, um, creating a happy company, creating a culture that that enhances that engagement, um, and doing that through strengths training, mentoring, and coaching. So let's start with employee engagement, because that really is the first order of business, Um, and, you know, it's interesting. A lot of companies say, and including Accenture, we say, our people are our greatest asset. And yet, um, if you think about it, if you don't spend the time and the energy and the resources to keep your people engaged, then you're, you're wasting your greatest asset or you're at the risk of losing it. Um, so, you know, it's well worth the investment. It's kind of the analogy might be you, you buy a very important, expensive piece of equipment that's key to your business, and then you don't maintain it. Um, so, of course, people are not machines. People are far more complex, constantly changing. They're also far more creative and forgiving than machines. Um, and when employees are engaged, you're getting their best work. You're getting their best decision-making, maximum creativity and problem-solving every single day. So, you know, my view is if you look at it that way, how can you not focus some resources on employee engagement? Um, so getting back to kind of what I'm doing, um, Just to get started, I began by listening. So I've been doing focus groups around the world with Accenture lawyers, asking them very open-ended questions. What do you love about working here? What do you not like about working here? What would you change if you were the leader of this team for a day, or for a week, or for a month? What would you do differently? Um, And they've been giving me tremendous feedback. Um, They were thrilled, I think. They've been thrilled just that someone's asking the questions and listening. But, of course, listening is just the first, the first step. You also have to show some results. You know, they, they've given you the, the benefit of their candid response, and now you have to come back with a, a response to that. You know, what are we going to do about these things that they've raised? In some cases, um, the answer is just better communication. Um, in other cases, there really are substantive changes that they're asking for. If we can make those changes, then um, we need to communicate back to the team what we're doing, this is underway, you know, we've heard you, these are the changes we're making, this is the time frame, and if we can't make the changes, then we need to explain to them why. And I think that um, professionals understand that, they don't expect that they're going to get everything they want, but they do They do expect um, sort of the, the, the dialogue with their leaders so that they're heard and that they get a response back. So that's a big part is... Um, you know, increasing engagement. But as I mentioned, we're also going to be introducing strengths training so that people identify their strengths and begin to build their work around their strengths. Um, we're doing succession planning. We're creating new programs focused on on giving people broader experience, helping them enhance their skill set, um, and, and coaching and mentoring is going to be a big part of it as well.
2: So just a, a couple questions, Dara, uh, about that before we get to the next question. Um, are there specific tools? I imagine there are around strength training mm-hmm. that you're going to use, and, and then is it for the coaching, is it internal coaching or external or both?
4: Well, the tools um, for the strength training, we're going to be basing it on the work that Marcus Buckingham has done. Uh-huh. Um, so primarily his last book, Go Put Your Strengths to Work, is sort of where we're starting. Um, so that's that's the approach we're taking. Accenture has a relationship with with Marcus Buckingham and his company. Um, and we're, actually I'll be starting the pilots for those trainings this, this month. I'll be doing pilots in Rio de Janeiro and in Tokyo, um, so that's going to be fascinating uh, and very excited to see how that all works out. Um, the coaching is going to be kind of a later phase, and so the, the, the real answer to your question really is I'm not sure yet whether it will be internal and external or just internal. Um, right now we're focusing pretty heavily on our mentoring program, I created the mentoring program a few years ago, and we're really trying to reinvigorate it. Um, A lot of people have volunteered to be mentors. Um, A lot of people say they want mentors, and yet, you know, it, it doesn't. Just because you want to be a mentor doesn't mean you necessarily know how. So, what I'm working on now is trying to give people some some tools to be a better mentor. Give them some guidelines. We'll see how far we can get with that. But I fully expect that coaching is going to be introduced. Um, particularly as part of our succession planning. So as our top leaders identify their successors, and we're going to be doing this formally in writing, but they'll be creating a written succession plan, and part of that should be providing coaching to those potential mm-hmm. successors so that they, they move up the, the, um, the learning curve and are ready to take over when the time comes.
2: This is another question just about the mentoring, because I know people listening are, are doing similar kind of programs. Is, is the mentor um, someone in, in the same department? Is it, like, what have you found? Mm-hmm. What makes the best mentors? Because I know sometimes that can be a sticky issue.
4: Yeah. Well, the mentors are, it's all within the legal group. Okay. And, and that is largely because, you know, what the legal group does is sort of unique. We're not like any other part of the organization, so it would be more difficult, although not impossible, but it would be more difficult for, for someone outside the legal group to really understand kind of the demands of the work and the career opportunities within the group. But we definitely encourage people to choose a mentor who is in a different office, mm-hmm. which means generally a different country. Um, often it's a different country. And, and that is nice, particularly for people who are in smaller offices outside the U.S. Our U.S. and our U.K. offices are the largest. But if you're a lawyer in, in Frankfurt or if you're a lawyer in Tokyo, to have a mentor who's in the U.S. or the U.K. or one of the larger countries is tremendously helpful because it gives you a perspective. It's like you know raising somebody up so they can see beyond the borders of their country and they can see opportunities that, that they might not otherwise be aware of. And they get the benefit of an approach um, that's different from the approach that their local leadership has, and that's, that's an enriching experience. And we've gotten very, very positive feedback from that sort of cross-cultural or you know cross-border mentoring. That's worked well for us.
3: Barrett, let me just help our listeners understand a couple of things that Accenture has been talking about that may help them understand the language that you're using and that we'll use for the remainder of today's program. There is a new balance of um, let's call it economic power called multipolar. Um, multipolar worlds, multipolar talent pools, um, multipolar competition. And multipolar means um, a world in which a formerly centralized few um, are now really based in many different areas of the world. Um, so you're moving from a multipolar a multi- uh, work world to a um, very decentralized. and and very, very open work world. And it allows people um, to to view talent from a very different vantage point. New technologies are transforming the nature of work. Um, They're transforming the demand for skills and the manner in which work is sourced globally and the ways in which people can collaborate to perform processes and innovate them. So what you just described in allowing people to have mentors and coaches in other countries um, is really critical. Um, did, I, did I do a, a pretty okay job of mm-hmm. describing multipolar, at least?
4: You did a great job. Okay. And, <laughs> want to and sure. you're, you're absolutely right. And that's very much how Accenture looks at its business and how the Legal Group looks at, at our corner of that business. Um, and it, it also means that we'll be competing globally for talent. Um, and, and, you know, the, the world of legal services has changed, just like, I mean, all industries so you mentioned in the intro that um, I had created this team of lawyers in Mauritius, and they are an offshore service center for the legal group. Well, you know, some, so some of the work that used to be done in the U.S. is now done offshore. This doesn't mean that we've lost jobs offshore, but it does, what, we've, what we did very deliberately is we, we were making the more challenging work the onshore work and some of the more routine work the offshore work. Um, so it changes the mix of work and in many ways creates more interesting opportunities for the onshore lawyers. So, I mean, it's just another example of how, you know, this, the, the, the pool for talent is global.
3: And, and just one more clarification, Mauritius mm-hmm. is an island off the coast of
4: France, is that correct? Well, it's off the coast of Africa. Africa, It's actually okay. uh, near Madagascar. All right. I, I knew it was somewhere <laughs> off the coast of some country. I couldn't near, near the place there. Uh, <laughs> don't feel badly. I had no idea where it was until I was told I was going there.
3: I know, but I, for some reason I remember... Remember these people overwhelmingly speaking French?
4: Yes. Okay. They, 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 they are bilingual French and English, and their legal system is also a dual system, uh, civil and common law, which is why we chose Mauritius.
3: Okay. Well, when we come back to Leadership Development News, we're going to talk about what are the differences between legal teams and industry leaders and their experiences with leadership?
0: line in business. Voice America business.
1: Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All leaders rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
6: Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look. These are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, and you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I gotta deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council.
0: The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
1: listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts doctors kathy greenberg and Rilly nadler we know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790 that number again is 1-866-472-5790 now let's get back to the show
2: welcome back to leadership development news we're talking with Barrett Avigdor, who is the Director of uh, Legal Talent Strategies at uh, Accenture. And so she's telling us about some of the programs that she's done with lawyers, and we want to get more into that. Kathy?
3: Oh, sure. I want to know more about what are the, the experience. Well, let me put it this way. This is a hard question to ask. What can you share about the experiences you can see between the legal world and industry leaders applying leadership development. What what are the experiences that you see there? And can you share with us what legal people, what attorneys, are learning about themselves in the process?
4: Sure. Well, for anybody who has a lawyer in their life, spouse or sibling or you know significant other, you probably know that lawyers are a bit different than the rest of the population. Um, we didn't. We weren't born that way. Uh, it happens at law school. Lawyers tend to be, and and in fact studies have been done that kind of compare lawyers to the rest of the population, and in fact we do tend to be somewhat negative and cynical. And it really does come from the law school training. So you may have heard the expression that law school doesn't teach you the law, it teaches you how to think. And that's really very true. Um, And I remember vividly my first day, first year of law school at the University of Chicago sitting in property class, and the professor who was is still a brilliant, brilliant scholar, legal scholar, walked around the room, you know, terrifying us just by looking at us, walked around the room and said, when you're done with my class, you will never think about anything the same way again. Mm. And he was right. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad, but he was absolutely right. Because what they teach you in law school is to constantly anticipate everything that could go wrong. I mean, that's what you want your lawyer to do, right? You want your lawyer to think several steps ahead and, and sort of plug the holes and make sure that, that you've anticipated all the things that could go wrong. But then when you come to kind of leadership, particularly leadership in a business, lawyers tend to think more along the what-if. We tend to take more of the what-if approach as opposed to the why-not approach that you find, for example, among entrepreneurs. Um, So, you know, in that way, I think we are different. Um, But certainly doesn't mean that lawyers cannot be very good and very inspiring leaders. Um, So, you know, lawyers in leadership positions have the same challenges that executives, business executives, and leadership positions have. Right? um, We've got to create and communicate a vision for our team. We need to ensure high quality of whatever it is we're providing. Um, We need to work within budget constraints and we need to worry about how to attract and retain good talent. And for, for lawyers, because what we sell is a service, um, talent is the big issue. That, that's really our biggest, our biggest issue. If you have smart, ethical lawyers, you can fulfill your vision, whatever it is. Whatever your vision is for a legal support function, you can do that with smart, ethical lawyers. If you don't have those people, it's going to be very, very difficult. Um, so you've asked, what to, what have lawyers learned in this process? I mean, I think lawyers are incredible, uh, many lawyers, I should say, certainly in my experience, are very articulate, creative people. And when given the opportunity, when given the opening to sort of stretch their wings and think outside the box and, and think creatively, they can be very good at it. Um, so I think a lot of the people that I've worked with over the years have surprised their colleagues and even themselves with their ability to lead, um, with their ability to communicate and, and um, be effective with their teams and with their ability to find creative strategies for, for fulfilling a vision.
2: Well, Barrett, that's fascinating to hear because a lot of what Kathy and I are also interested in, I imagine, too, is just some of the new brain neuroscience, how you know the brain tries to hardwire everything. So you're saying the lawyers were hardwired, you know, away from law school, you know, what could go wrong, anticipate uh, issues. And so are you finding, you know, with some of the programs that you're able to kind of reprogram some of that and let them maybe think think differently? And they may still have some of the same what ifs, but are they adding other questions uh, to their repertoire?
4: Yes, yes, I think, you know, I think so. And I think really it, it does take a little bit of coaxing. You know, so you um but when we are in meetings together in small sort of leadership meetings, if we've got someone facilitating that meeting who's really making it okay, kind of pushing us to brainstorm, pushing us to to not to, to do more of the why not as uh-huh. opposed to the what if. Um, I think that lawyers are very capable of doing that.
3: It's interesting as I'm listening to you. I think so much about the industry leaders that have at some point in their life um, gone through a similar thinking process. But it seems that the industry leaders that we have been working with are um, very open uh, to some kind of self-integration um, work, some self-awareness work, um, some self, if you will, kind of questioning and actualization work. Do you find that that, is as easy to do with legal people who are such strong thinkers?
4: Well, I you know, I don't think we've given it a... I don't think we've tried it sufficiently yet at Accenture. So I think that's going to come when we do the coaching component. Certainly back when I, you know, had my first experience with the Center for Creative Leadership, it was warmly embraced by everybody who participated. So I know that... That lawyers, certainly the Accenture lawyers, are are open to that. Um, I don't think we've had that opportunity to be honest. And I think um, I think it's a, a wise investment um, when you think again about you know investing in your top talent. And if you look at leaders within a legal group as being your top talent, um, you know I, I would say I would be a very strong advocate for making that investment. But to be honest, we haven't fully. We haven't fully explored it yet. So
3: let me just ask you one final question on that. Do you believe that coaching can make a difference in the ability of any leader to make change?
4: Oh, absolutely. I'm, well, I'm a huge believer in coaching uh, generally. And, you know, when I think of executive coaching, and it's not an unusual metaphor, but I think of it first in terms of sports, you know, kind of high-performance athletic coaching. I have two boys. They both play basketball. Um, they've been to countless practices, basketball camps. They understand the game. They understand what they're supposed to do. But they won't understand what they're doing wrong unless a coach points it out to them. Right? So if their shots aren't going in, they know they have a problem, but they don't know what to fix or how to fix it unless they have guidance from a coach. So then you translate that to business, which is far more complex. right? You're dealing on multiple dimensions. You're dealing with different personalities. And then you're asking a leader to make a change. And change, as you both well know, is very difficult. It's difficult for individuals. It's difficult for organizations. People people fear change, particularly if they don't understand the why and the what behind the change. So now you're asking leaders who are already in a complex, you know, multipolar business environment, you're asking them to do the most difficult thing a leader has to do, which is make change happen. To expect them to do that without coaching, in my opinion, is... Unfair. It's unreasonable. Because it's, it's just, it's very difficult. And, and sure, it's great for people to read leadership books and to go to seminars and, you know, that sort of thing. But that's sort of like going to basketball camp. That just tells you how it's supposed to be. But it doesn't necessarily tell you what you need to do differently or where your blind spots are or what your strengths are that you should be enhancing. And, and that's what a coach can do for you. So, you know, in my, in my opinion, um, in order to get that epiphany, that sudden insight that changes the way you do things and makes you more effective as a leader, you need to work one-on-one with someone who is totally focused on helping you achieve your goals, and that's coaching.
2: Well Barry, that's a, that's a wonderful explanation. And I think just uh, hearing your, your changes, and I know for Kathy and I um, being coaches, it's really the, the conversation. And I think as you're saying, especially with lawyers, how do, you, how do you become a thinking partner is the way I like to describe a, uh, an executive coach and and asking them different provocative questions? And anybody who's smart is going to want to uh, think about it, but I think also coaching provides the time. Smart people may think these uh, thoughts, but they don't get a chance to get some depth to it and really pursue it and then talk about, well, how are you going to implement that? So really just asking those different questions and having those different conversations where the coach seems to be... The key issue. Mhm. I agree. We, well, let me uh, ask the two of you because we're switching topics a bit. Um, you both have a, a new book coming up. Uh, what happy? What happy? Working mothers know, and maybe talk a little bit about you know how that started, and then is there is there some commonalities you see with engaging employees with engaging um, children? So. Either of you who wants to start with that, because given you're, you're both doing this together, right? Sure. Well, I'll will
4: start if that's okay, Kathy. Sure. No, go for it. Um, well, this is this book. I mean, I've been wanting to write this book, perhaps without knowing it, for you know the last sixteen years. Um, but this is I'm very passionate about this book, and I'm thrilled to be able to do this with Kathy. Um, you know, one of the underlying premises of the book uh, is that the lessons you learn at work make you a better mother, and the lessons that your children teach you at home make you better at work. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are many ways, many examples of that, Um, and engagement is is one of them, uh, quite honestly. So, you know, engagement begins with listening. So whether you're talking about an employee, whether I'm dealing with a a lawyer at Accenture, or I'm dealing with my 16-year-old or my 12-year-old, I have to start with listening. Because otherwise you're just lecturing. You're just, you know, sending out memos from on high or kind of wagging your finger at your kids and lecturing. They don't work, right? Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't get internalized. They don't hear you. you have to, if you want someone to hear you, as you both know, being, being outstanding coaches yourselves, you have to begin with listening. Um, and you have to understand how to communicate with the people you're talking with. Um, And that's true for kids. And those of us with more than one kid know that each kid is different, and you have to communicate with each kid differently, just like you have to communicate with each and every member of your team differently. So, um, you know, I honestly see more similarities than differences when it comes to engaging your kids versus engaging your employees. Um, The other thing I would say is a big part of engagement is trust. What I've learned at Accenture is that what people want is they want to be able to trust their leadership. They want to trust them, and they want their leaders to trust the employees to do the right thing. And I think that children are very much the same in that respect.
3: And we'll continue this discussion on Leadership Development News when we come back.
0: Bottom line in business, Voice America business.
2: in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
6: Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. rock a baby, baby by, by
2: Newton's treetop His first law of motion Make sure you won't stop The same rules of physics apply to a ball, ball
4: While gravity is a force that makes things fall
5: By the 6th grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org.
3: A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA
0: and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network. Voice America Business.
1: Listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts Doctors Kathy Greenberg and Riley Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back
2: to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Barrett Avicdor and when uh, both Barrett and Kathy are in the process of writing what uh, happy working mothers know and during a break we were just talking about um, doing good at work and then doing good at home and we talked about uh, the priming um, concept from positive psychology if you're doing good work and you're feeling good you're, you're primed to bring that emotions and those vibes back to your family if you just are having some good times with your family you're also primed at least initially to bring that back to the workplace so that's part of that that focus I know as being a uh, working father. That emotions are contagious, and, and am I conscious about which emotions I'm um, accentuating in each area? So, so with that, maybe both uh, Barrett and Kathy, you can tell us a little bit more about about the book and, and how you're going to go about getting the research for it.
4: Sure, well, I'll start, and Kathy, jump in if I've missed anything. Um, Well, Kathy and I have been fortunate to meet a lot of incredible women in the course of our work and our lives. Um, So we've got a pretty long list of women that we plan to interview. We're going to be doing a lot of interviews and some focus groups. Um, We also have a couple of websites. Uh, One is x-workingmoms.com and Kathy's website, kathygreenberg.com, where people can sort of raise their hand and say, I want to participate in the research. You know, here's who I am. You can contact me for interviews as well. Um, Kathy, do you want to add anything about our research?
3: Well, I think that um, what, what is really exciting to me is that both Accenture uh, and Philips International, um, the global electronics company that is focusing on marketing to women, um, are participating with us in the development uh, of the uh, research. They're helping to collect information Uh, They're posting our questionnaire on their websites and in some instances, as with Accenture allowing us to interview their very top uh, performing women and um, having started a mentoring program there back in 2004, I know that um, they have some stellar uh, women in their programs and I know they're going to be terrific uh, in terms of contributing to the stories. And one of the things, Barrett, um, I'm sure Relly and the listeners would like to know is how we're getting stories for the book. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Uh,
4: Well, we will be getting stories, as I mentioned, from a lot of interviews. um, And we're really trying to get sort of a cross-section. A lot of executive women, but also small business owners, women from different walks of life, who have incredible stories. um, and, And we want to hear the full story. So we're hoping that we're going to get a wide spectrum of stories of different types of women. From you know CFOs and CEOs to women who own beauty salons, women who are you know in all walks of life, um, and each one of those stories is going to sort of illustrate and will help pull that learning out. Um, so not just telling the story, but then sort of explaining what's working there and and how the reader can can draw from what that woman's story teaches them and incorporate that into her own life.
2: So each story then is going to have. Um some key concepts uh, that ideally other people can say, oh, yeah, I could do that, or I never mm-hmm. thought of that. That's interesting.
4: Exactly. But what we're hoping to do, really, is to validate, to, because a lot of working mothers are racked with guilt. A lot of them question their decision or their necessity to work. So we want to validate the fact that they are working moms, but we also want to inspire them, teach them, and give them the tools that they need to be happy. Um, because one of the real fundamental points of the book in my mind is that happiness is not a luxury it's a necessity um you know you talked about priming and and that how you carry your emotions from work to home and from home to work well the same is true for happiness i mean it's it's just an example of that Mm -hmm. and if what we want as parents and it's certainly not unique to mothers i know fathers feel the same way what you want is for your children to be happy And and to be, you know, happy, productive adults, well, what better way than to model that behavior? Um, So, you know, children don't don't listen to what we say. They watch what we do. And um, if we can help these moms who are so great at getting things done, there's no question that working moms are probably some of the most efficient human beings on the planet, um, but often they think of happiness as a luxury and something that they just don't have time for. And we want to bring it right up to the forefront and say, no, actually, it's just as necessary as um, everything else you do. It's, it's a health issue, and it's a, a well-being issue. And we want to give them permission to, to do what they need to do to create those boundaries and to, to find the time to, to create that happiness.
2: So that's some of that work-life balance that Kathy was mentioning earlier. Are there, are there some processes that the both of you have seen about being a good mother and being a good leader? Maybe... Kathy, is there something that you've seen in the Mabel S. Barrett?
3: Well, you know, for me, uh, I, I hesitate to just go at this as a, oh, well, here's a blanket statement yeah. around work-life balance because in speaking to uh, many women who, you know, hairdressers, customer service reps, um, waitresses, you know, people who I rely on in my life to make my life easier, you know, what's work balance for me and what's work-life balance for them is very different. And um, so saying this will work for you, not knowing what, what you do and how, how many hours a, a week you work and whether you have a spouse or you're doing this by yourself, you know, makes a huge difference in a woman's ability to be successful. What we want people to learn from this book is about being a happy working mother works for everyone differently. And I think that's the key. Barrett, I don't know, do you have a point of view on that? Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah, and we're, in, we're certainly not going to prescribe, you know, this is the, the magic approach. We want to give people tools, first of all, to, you know, help create their self-awareness to understand, you know, kind of where where are they, what are the things that may be getting in the way of their happiness. And then as Kathy said, you know, just once you have the tools, the answer is completely individual for each woman. Um, but but some of the issues that they face are are similar across uh, you know across women and, and across professions and socioeconomic groups, um, but it is a very individual um, answer for each one.
3: And rally, well, you know that we're coming upon an election year where we may have the possibility of a female CEO in charge of our country in charge of our nation, and we believe that that will um, influence the popularity of the topic. and if not, certainly, um, we know that whoever is in that leadership role will certainly be interested in how to create um, happy working mothers because they are the growing base of, of America, and um, it's going to become an ever-increasing relevant issue to the voting population at large.
4: Absolutely. And, and regardless of who wins the election, I mean, I, as Kathy said, it's, the timing is important, um, you know, we have some very prominent working mothers right now in, in the political sphere and also in, in business. Um, and, you know, I, I personally believe that the, mo- the most important people in shaping tomorrow's citizens, the workers and the citizens of tomorrow, are their parents, um, moms and dads. And, you know, if you believe that happiness makes you a better parent and makes you a better worker, regardless of what you do for a living, then helping working mothers find happiness is a terrific investment, um, and it's an important investment for the future of our country, uh, for for good, healthy, happy, productive adults in the coming generations.
2: Well said. Well, thank you, uh, Barrett. This has been very enlightening, and uh, this has been leadership development news. Just want to mention that next week we're going to have Fred Harburg. He's going to be talking about the power of uh, relationships, developing leaders who coach. So. Thank you very much, Barrett and and Kathy, and we'll be back with you next week.
4: Thank you.